0: Welcome to Ambassador Lounge Podcast. This is Episode 2, recorded December 1st, 2019. Your hosts for today are Arian and Ian.
1: Hi, I'm Arian Swartz. I'm based in Melbourne, Australia and work as a lead platform engineer at Digio, while also representing our sister brand CMD Solutions in the Ambassador program.
0: My name is Ian Mackay. I work as a lead DevOps engineer out of Koblamo in Sydney, Australia. So, today we're recording live, the day
1: before reInvent, I'm here with Ian. Ian, you know a lot of formation.
0: I do a lot, yeah. You do a lot <laughs> with it,
1: yep. And so, I figured this might be a good time to discuss the new CloudFormation. Sure.
0: There's been a lot of new announcements that's coming up in our, what we call our pre-invent period, which is any announcements that come up in the weeks leading up to reInvent, there's always an overflow, if you will, of. Different announcements come in that don't make it into the, the two hours or whatever. They have keynotes. So there's always a lot of releases. And some of the big ones that we came out uh, over the past couple of weeks were for CloudFormation. One is for the CloudFormation import function. And the other is for the CloudFormation custom types capabilities that we now have.
1: Yeah, exactly. So the CloudFormation imports is something that I think everybody who uses CloudFormation has been waiting for for a very long time.
0: It's been requested for forever, right? It's CloudFormation has been around quite early, at least since 2011, but probably before. And this has always been one of those features where it's just like, I have created a resource in using a console or an API or an SDK call. How do I get name into CloudFormation template? And the answer has always been, okay, destroy it completely and write it up in CloudFormation and deploy it again, which has always been a nuisance. Yeah, Um,
1: and there's many cases where you can't do that. When, for example, you join a company or something and years ago somebody built the production VPC just by hand and now you've got all your workloads there.
0: Absolutely, yeah. There's a huge milestone of complexity for those sort of environments. Something that we always get challenged with as partners how do we skill uh, these teams to not only to get used to CloudFormation, but also to start deploying everything, including their base infrastructure, but it's always challenging when they have data that they want to retain in database, 3 buckets or have the new import features is a really well uh, needed lease
1: Yeah, it's definitely good that we have it, maybe we should tell a bit of how it works, because it's not just as easy as Select and import. Unfortunately, we still have to build the template first.
0: Yeah, that's right. It's probably one of the more surprising things that wasn't part of the release. Sort of discover the state of a resource. But considering how much support there is and the fact that these uh, import functionality have to be done one by one for a part, I'm not surprised yeah. that there is a bunch of steps that do need to So two years ago, I started working on a bunch of tooling. The first one was called Console Recorder for AWS. And what that did, it converted the steps that you did in a console up to CloudFormation, Terraform, Troposphere, or any sort of infrastructure code as you perform those actions in the console. You did this by uh, listening to network requests. And that was very popular, and a lot of people really appreciated that sort of functionality. Yeah, it's an awesome tool. Yeah. And then I started getting these requests like, oh, but I've already created these resources. And how do I get this for things that already exist? So, my current approach that I took for Console Recorder for AWS wasn't ready for that sort of mistake. So, I decided look, I spent three months doing all these mappings. So, for the 400 and something CloudFormation resources, and I think I can do this again. Uh, so, that's what sort of inspired me to create uh Former two. Which is a bit of a play on the AWS Cloud Former tool that uh um, the CloudFormation team does have, but it's been somewhat neglected, I guess. Um it yes, only supports slightly. It only supports fifty resources. Most of it, there's a lot of properties that don't map correctly anymore, and it requires resources. It requires an ec T two instance in your account. So I thought, how can we do this with just pure SDK call get the resources but that code. So I did that. Today it has 100% cloud support from Tropic Terraform again and that's hugely beneficial for those people with those existing resources but I still never had the ability to say now can I put a stack because import functionality didn't exist and there's no condition with the API that so it was always Okay, here's your existing resources you can convert that to a stack you still have to link the resources so the import functionality came in and it's perfectly matched to what former two does and although the import functionality only supported the 50 or so resources those are probably the most important ones that you'd want to import into a cloud formation stack from your existing resources and I got a little bit of a little bit of a notification on Twitter that says this was coming and I had a look and I had to dig around and I managed to get the full import functionality into former two with a day one release, so that was very fun. wasn't a lot of work um, on top of the existing uh, code base and yeah, that's been a lot of people have uh, really enjoyed the fact that that is now there, um, including members of the confirmation team they. They love it. They pitch it to some of their customers. And yeah, it's it's a good way of helping people through what is a new feature that might be slightly complex for um, people that want to use it.
1: Yeah. No, I've recommended it to people as well and use it myself if I have to do imports because it's so much easier than having to write all the CloudFormation again I mean, obviously make some tweaks on what it generates so that it's a bit more of what I would like. But yeah, it's good. And what kind of work did you actually need to do to make it? You had to add, I assume, the deletion policies? That's the
0: requirement? Yes. So what's interesting about the import functionality is that the deletion policy is a requirement. So you have to specify delete, retain, or or some of those um, resources that support it, snapshot. And I think this is a way to encourage people to understand that these resources will be under control of CloudFormation. And if you don't explicitly say so, Deletion of the stack will still delete your resource, which is something that people might not be familiar with. So, it's probably a good thing that that's happened, in my opinion. Um, so, I, I construct a separate template to the one that I would normally output for former two um, that is not visible traditionally within the console because I don't think it's really relevant to most people, and that gets upserted uh, into uh, the environment if their credentials allow it. You do need a lot of commissions to the it generally depending upon what you're creating pretty much a god but when when done correctly it can save a whole lot for manually creating these little resource properties in the template
1: yeah and once they're in template then you can make changes so something i noticed, and that's obviously not an issue use or too is if you create your template and values properties or tags, they don't match what the actual resource has. CloudFormation will just think okay, that's fine. I don't need to worry about it. Uh, I'm sure it will match
0: and you will immediately have a drift. It's very interesting. Uh, One of the big things they do recommend is that you perform a drift detection when you imported resources into a stack because your properties may not be quite what it is. Uh, This is this becomes interesting because every time there's any change to property, CloudFormation will generally uh, update the entire resource. If you think about it from the perspective of an urban SDK, it's just an update. It's just forming that update with all the resources that need to be changed. So, people may get caught out when they change uh, a small resource after they've imported it. Uh, a, a, sorry, a small property after they've imported their resource. And complete, things that are completely unrelated to that property get changed over and they have no idea why. And that's probably because of some of the behavior's default values the nation will impose. So, it's a bit of a gotcha in the system. But I think it's it's a really good thing. They've released it with 50 of the most important providers out there, in my opinion. And they've committed to increasing. Support.
1: yep uh, and then talking about I guess we may as well discuss then the new
0: resource types. That's fantastic. That's an That's a very interesting step for cloud formation and it will change the way people think about uh, the restrictions that cloud formation imposes. Uh, traditionally when people wanted to do uh, things that are outside of the box or outside of the supported model for cloud formation, they'll generally use a custom resource. And that's been around for a while now people have done a lot of interesting things with it uh, but it is quite cumbersome. it's it's very hard to uh, create your lambda create your role uh perform the uh, construction of the custom resource uh, in a way that will always return a response because if you don't you've been waiting two hours for rollbacks and all sorts of crazy things so to have this idea of a public catalog of uh types that are available within an account is very beneficial and I think increases the scope of what CloudFormation can do. It means we can go and create PagerDuty services, we can go and create GitHub, we could even uh, manage Azure or GCP resources within CloudFormation, which is pretty pretty bizarre and unheard of. Um, so a lot yeah, of interesting work. Definitely. So you've
1: had some hands-on experience with it already, building some of them. Um, you wrote a nice blog post about it as well, step-by-step step, how to do this. Um, what kind of issues
0: and such have you found with it? I think creating your own custom type. They've done a lot of work with the new CloudFormation CLI to help bootstrap through this process, but it is still cumbersome. You still have to write a lot of logic. You have to write logic for create, read, update, list, and delete. So there's a lot of work to be done there. The initial release came out with just Java support, but it was quickly followed within the week by Go support and in preview now is Python. Support. So they're definitely rolling this out quickly and there's a lot of learnings that still need to be done here. So debugging these types can sometimes be challenging, especially if there's a role that doesn't allow you to write logs, if you're doing something that's outside of general supported way of doing. It. One of the issues I came across when I first started using this was I was trying to create s three presets that just creates an object uh, with some text or whatever it In an S3 bucket. And one of the things I noticed was that the request for an S3 pull up is different in the SDK than the base AWS request model that is expected. So I couldn't do it in the normal proxy request sort of way that they're expecting. So there's a lot of workarounds and dirty hacks that I had to do before that, which is essentially grabbing the credentials out of the proxy provider itself and doing it myself. Um, Under the hood, these custom resource providers are just Lambda running code in someone else's environment. And that's restricted by execution role, trust relationships, cloud formation, resource so all the same limitations apply. You still have timeout issues, you still have space issues, you still have limitations around executing code that might make a difference. Yeah. A lot of things to deal with, but promise Yeah. What do you think the future of Titan is going to, uh do with this Yeah. So I do think
1: it's really awesome and has a lot of potential. She said there are some limitations still to it. Uh, It can probably be a bit better. And something I personally would really like to see is more of a... um, We have the registry now, but it's limited to your own account. If there is a marketplace or something for that, that it will be easy to find, oh, I want to do something with. She said BagerDuty or GitHub that those companies themselves can write and easily distribute those custom types to people that you don't have to go to the probably GitHub repo and download it from there to install
0: it. Yeah, they had a lot of partnerships, um, announcements on launch. There are a few companies such as Datadog uh, which are um, providing repositories of these custom types. You still need to um, insert it into your environment, I guess, as a private resource. So I think the team are definitely considering this. I think there's a lot of challenges around uh, security and ownership, that and come first, but I do think we'll see that in the future.
1: Yeah, it's likely we'll see something dead simply because there is, uh, it is an obvious next step. But yeah, security is a big thing.
0: So right, Reed What's your predictions for new this year? There's been a lot of talk going around, there's been a lot of rumors, there's been a lot of excitement from the preview announcements. What do you think is going to happen this year? It's
1: always a hard question, um, especially when I can see some of the major announcements that came out last couple of days or earlier this week actually, um, that I would have expected to be announced at the keynote. Some of the major CloudWork improvements, for example, that are only in preview, that's usually left for the keynotes. We get a lot of preview material out of preinvent. Um but other than that, this is all the standard thing. So this uh we know there are going to be major new things for the serverless space. Because that's always in flux, always new things. Um it wouldn't surprise me if they do something akin to a Google Cloud run where you can run a container more like a Lambda function instead of having it filegate, because filegate needs to run uh, constantly. It, you don't have to worry about anything underlying, but it's still something that that keeps running instead of a lambda function that only runs on invoke. Something like that. would be interesting to see if they have that, uh, especially good people who already have everything in containers. Uh, other than that, obviously, uh, there will be new in the AI ML space. I have no idea exactly what. I assume that well, similar to last year when they had reinforcement learning, that they'll have new types of that for SageMaker. I'm not enough, you know, I'm not up to date enough in that space to know what uh, kind of learning thing there would be. But, and IoT stuff, personally, I'm hoping for some nice improvements to AWS SSL as well it's an interesting product. I really don't like the fact that it doesn't have an API. And I really think that there will probably be a couple of things that nobody saw coming. But what about you? Do you have any ideas?
0: I think I echo your sentiments a lot. I think a lot of the pre-invent announcements do lend themselves to some of the things that are coming. So the Lambda destinations functionality that got released earlier, again, is something that you would expect to be in keynote. It's huge for a lot of people. But it's a pre-invent announcement. So I would guess, and this is before we're in any sort of uh, knowledge about what's coming up, that that would be a prequel to some of the things that are required for some of these uh, keynote announcements. Um, You mentioned AIML. We had a very quiet release of uh, recognition supporting custom labels earlier this week. And I think that flew under the radar a bit. and is pretty huge for a lot of people so i think in an auto ml space we'll see a lot of new innovations a lot of orchestration of a lot of new ways of working and simplifying the process because right now it's a very data science strict world and they're trying to put that sort of world into the hands of standard developers um i think there's a lot of paper cuts in the airbus world that i'd like to see improved i'd like to see a lot of interesting new things around permissions management, which has always been a bit of a bugbear. Just talking about you know, the standard of not exposing us three buckets, not um, exerting excess permissions, right? Like, exercising that privilege, that principle of least privilege is super important. So, I think I'd like to see a lot of that. And, yeah, we're seeing a lot of things that are pointing to that. We'd like to see a lot more around just pure compute as well. So, um, it's like making... Uh, instance types, more granular things like make AMIs easier to build. We'll see a lot of those things coming
1: Yeah, it, actually, that's that would be a nice one. Even just a simple way to build your AMIs
0: without a VMware import, magical lots of files changing that sort of thing. Yeah.
1: So one other thing that I feel like also based a bit on thing that's come out far is a bit more again a focus on multi-region. Uh, oh, there've been some announcements that. We already saw now, last year they introduced a lot of the Go Global thing, like an Aurora Global database. And earlier this week or last week, they released the ability to just click a button and make your an existing Aurora Go Global, which is really good. And I wouldn't be surprised if more of that's going to come. I don't know what kind of form it would take, but
0: I definitely feel like there's a need for more global or multi-account thing. It's always a challenge. I mean, the latency requirement has always been cited as one of the reasons why they've shied away from this. So, uh, a lot of the challenges with asynchronous replication have been solved. We've seen that with Aurora, Dynamo 3, yeah, 3. So, a lot of interesting stuff come up, and we're excited.
1: Yeah, so I'm sure that the rest of the week we'll have a lot of fun learning about all these things. I suspect that there will be an episode or two about all the stuff that's going to come up. I have no doubt. <laughs> cool. So... Thank you, Ian. Thanks Uh, for having me.
0: This has been an episode of Ambassador Lounge Podcast. Thank you for listening.